is Living Catholic with Father Don Wolf. Living Catholic is a fresh look at issues confronting each of us today. This show deals with living out the Catholic faith, what that means for Catholics, as well as the impact on the rest of society. You certainly don't have to be Catholic to enjoy this show. And now, your host, Father Don Wolf. Welcome, Oklahoma, to Living Catholic. I'm Father Don Wolf, pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Oklahoma City and rector of the Shrine of Blessed Stanley Rother. Last year, about Halloween time, I circulated among the kids. This was after Mass on the Sunday following Halloween. Now, what they were going to do for this little mini holiday and the questions about what costumes they might wear, or even if they were going to a party, all of that was off. So when I went to talk to them, they were free to answer. It wasn't like it was a big test or anything. So I went to the kids in the fifth and the sixth grade, and I asked them, what is Halloween? And the answer I got back from about 80% of the kids was, Halloween is the devil's birthday. Imagine that. Halloween, the birthday of the devil. How did we ever get to that point? Speaking of an inversion of meaning or the embarrassment of our own tradition, can you imagine anything worse than a group of 11-year-olds thinking that this cultural feast day that comes directly from the tradition of the Catholic Church is the birthday of the devil, whatever that would mean? And just in case you don't know the answer, let me tell you, Halloween is literally the eve of all saints. Hallow is an obsolete word for saint. Een is an obsolete way to say Eve. You can hear how one word turned into the other. So the een of all hollows becomes hollows een to eventually become Halloween. The evening before the holy day of all saints. That's what the kids think is the devil's birthday. I'd say that's a demonic topsy-turvy of all that's good and holy. And it appears that some of the most pious and voluble people actually promote this claim. Of course, the kids, even if they know about all saints being a holy day and go to Mass to celebrate it, they're taking their cues from the popular understanding of the day. It's not illogical for them to look around at what we do and say and draw the conclusion that the devil does indeed have something to do with what this day is all about. Just look around. People decorate their houses and lawns with the figures of ghosts and skeletons. They put grave markers in the front of their houses and hang the cutouts of witches flying on their brooms across the sky. And it's the time when even the littlest kids dress up in gory costumes as Dracula and Frankenstein or whatever the current notion of real horror might be. So even the dullest child might be excused for drawing a straight line from the terror of the night to the presence of the devil. And the smartest kids might easily be rewarded for concluding that the purpose of the day has much more to do with the power of evil than the triumph of grace. So, it certainly pays for us to do some clarification. We ought to know what we're celebrating as this day comes around. It's all the more important because there is a strong movement out there among caring parents and dedicated Catholic teachers to cancel Halloween, to make it a a no-no to regard this day as anything positive or certain, which, if you think about it, is extraordinary. We have sincere and dedicated believers who want to cancel the eve of all saints because it has become the place where it seems like we celebrate the devil. Just the other day, I was driving past one of the churches here in town, not a Catholic one, and saw that they were going to have a fall festival. Now, 30 years ago, that sounds pretty innocuous, but 30 years ago, that would have been a Halloween festival. So to to celebrate the change of the seasons, which is perfectly pagan, 
and to let go of the celebration of the eve of all saints is regarded now as progress somehow. It's time we got to the bottom of things. Certainly, it is appropriate to ask what we're doing when kids dress up in costumes celebrating what is evil and monstrous and satanic. What we would never do at other times, we focus on doing during Halloween. And I appreciate those parents who are anxious when they see their own kids fascinated by this dabbling with the frontiers of evil. When you can go into the local Walmart or the CVS and see endless rows of grotesque masks or the horned faces of the devil staring at you, even indifferent parents have to wonder if this graphic fascination with the dark side of life is something healthy. Anything can be overdone, and certainly our commitment to buy and sell guarantees that almost everything will end up embroidered and exaggerated, and so we end up with a month's emphasis on witches and ghosts and the dark side. Of course, parents and their concerns can be overblown as well. Someone as old as I can remember when parents were much less ancient, much less anxious about everything in their children's lives than today, where we have become neuralgic about everything. But these concerns together have created an atmosphere in which a lot of parents have decided they just as well do away with the day altogether. It's also true that a number of the people I respect note the uptick in nefarious activity during this time. Halloween coincides with a spike, they say, in the intensity and power of the demonic present. I've mostly diminished diminished those things as the exaggerating postings of those who take too much of everything and who make too much of, of what goes on, abetted by all of the hysteria that social media can provide. But in the book, The Diary of an American Exorcist, written by an old acquaintance of mine, he mentioned how much more powerful the presence of the demonic seems to be during this time. Of course, it could have have everything to do with the emphasis we place on it rather than some rip in the fabric of belief or a rent in the cosmic balance of good and evil. The old saying is that if you say the devil's name three times, he shows up. So focusing on the darkness of life during this holiday may have that effect. There does, to be some, there does seem to be something to the anxieties of our age. A good number of people would like to toss the whole thing out and make Halloween a feast day like the celebration of the vernal equinox or the summer solstice. That is, times we used to pay attention to, but that have faded into obscurity and merit no one's attention anymore. A lot of people are working to cancel Halloween altogether. For them, there is nothing good about it at all. And it may be too obvious to point out that at this time, but all of this anxiety appears in the context of our society in which no one even recognizes, much less honors, All Saints Day. It seems odd to toss out one of the days in which we're supposed to honor the lives of saints and martyrs because we feel like the devil receives too much play. Of course, if the notion has crept in that this is the devil's birthday, then we do have a problem. I wonder, though, if canceling it is the best thing. Have we achieved something positive by putting Halloween in the trash can? Or have we succumbed to evil by deciding there's nothing more we can do than to trade memory for oblivion? Now, I'm the first to admit that I don't like the cancellation talk. Halloween should be redeemed, not lost. This celebration and what it has come to ought to be understood for what it is, and we should weave its origins and its purpose back into the life of our culture. That is what we want to do, after all, since it is a cultural moment founded in the life of faith and cultivated in the understanding of belief, 
we have the chance to make a powerful Christian statement of purpose and creed as we celebrate it. In my opinion, leaving Halloween behind because of its excesses would be like being done with Christmas because the forces of society leverage it into something we don't care for. It'd be like abandoning Christmas because of what Hallmark does with it. But since it's already here, Halloween, since we have it on our calendar, and since every person has a sense of what we're doing, why not make it into a moment of grace rather than a day of malevolence? So we should get to the heart of, what we're, of what's going on. After all, we do celebrate this day. It has its own purpose and energy. What really is going on when we set this day aside on our calendars and make it into something meaningful? How is it the case that All Hallows' Eve has migrated out of the calendar of the Catholic Church and onto the schedule of every school kid in the country? Why would that happen? After all, we don't have All Saints' Day on every school calendar, nor do we have parties in school to honor the Annunciation or the Transfiguration. If we understood what potential we have in this holiday, we might be able to make it into something and celebrate it the right way. So first of all, the history of celebration includes the celebration of the parties and activities of All Saints' Day. And this traditionally included wearing the costumes of those famous saints that people celebrate. Kids put on the brown robes of St. Francis or the white habit of St. Thomas Aquinas or the black veil of Sister Scholastica. It was the most direct and the most fun way to honor those people who are important. Putting on a costume is fun. It takes us out of our limited lives with all of its mistakes and uncertainties and allows us to become linked to a promise larger and more powerful. If someone such as I could inhabit the costume of, say, St. Ignatius, who went to martyrdom so happy that he intimidated the entire Roman Empire, or if I could put on the jeans and work shirt of blessed Stanley Rother, whose witness of work and charity threatened an entire army, then my life is ennobled and empowered as I imitate their image. The great thing about celebrating this way is that I'm not just thinking the right thoughts. I'm actually imitating some aspect or measure of the saint in their sanctity. Even if it's just a costume I'm putting on, I'm putting on some part of the notoriety and holiness of this extraordinary person. Costumes are part of every society in every age. Pretending for a moment to be like someone else is as so as to become like someone else is as old as humanity. The eve of all saints was this, to remember, to revisit, to invest in being like the saints. Along with their notoriety, there were two other aspects of saintly living celebrated as well. The first was remembering the sufferings of the martyrs. It's not a bad thing. The gore and blood of someone who died for the faith was not feigned or false. Their sufferings were real and unavoidable. Partying in the image of the saints also meant to focus on how they lived and how they died. Now, sometimes that was overdone, of course. Parties are always intensifications of aspects or experiences, and blood and gore often were a part of these costumes. They weren't the reason for the costumes, but they were often a part of them. So Halloween became a time to think about blood and pain. In addition to celebrate the saints, it also is the opportunity to focus on the power of evil in the world. For centuries, All Saints' Day carried with it morality plays and dramas that were focused on telling the story of the power of Satan. 
the power of Satan to tempt evil soldiers to kill the witnesses of goodness of goodness and light. And the focus of the dramas was on how the power of Satan, with all of his pomps and pretenses, how that power was overcome by the holiness of saintly witnesses. The character of, a de- of the devil appeared in these celebrations with all of the darkness and intimidation of evil, but the evil was defeated. That was the focus of the drama of those plays. Celebrating all saints was to celebrate victory, our victory over the powers of evil. Whatever darkness there might be is overcome in Christ's light. Whatever the power the devil had is disarmed by charity and sanctity. Halloween was the time in which the devil was mentioned so that everyone could remember the power of God and the promise of redemption. If we dispense with Halloween, we also dispense our confidence in the devil's defeat. That's not what we want. Are we really so afraid of mentioning the power of the evil one that we decide we can't afford to do it even when we're celebrating the triumph of grace in the lives of the saints? Certainly we can do better than that. We should take care not to cast a false light on the power of evil or to shine too much interest in the dark side of life, but we should also not cast false shadows. Keeping Halloween a festival of laughter and frivolity in the face of evil is, in my estimation, the greatest proclamation of our faith in the works of grace in the world. What would happen if we presumed it was impossible even to mention the pretenses of evil without being overcome by them? It would turn out that we'd be helpless in the face of evil. In fact, the most powerful way to contextualize evil is to laugh at it. Remember the scene in the movie The Passion of the Christ when Jesus is carrying his cross to Calvary? The camera focuses for just a moment on a twisted, depraved character laughing in triumph at Jesus' suffering. It's chilling and ugly. Now, if this were the only segment of the movie to watch, we would see the complete triumph of evil over good. But we know there's more to the story. The last moment of the movie is as the light enters the tomb at the moment of the resurrection. At that moment, everyone in the audience smiles because the power of God and the promise of the gospel have overcome the power of death. That's the content of our faith. God has brought about his will, which is that God's triumph over death is certain. The devil's triumph turns to ashes. This is duplicated in the life of every martyr and each saint. On the eve of all saints, we can laugh, even in the face of darkness and the fear of evil, because that fear will be overcome in the victory of Christ, a victory already won. Laughing at the pretense of darkness in the exaggeration of monsters is necessary. It's not an insult to the content of faith to have little kids dressed up as witches or vampires or ghosts, dragging these characters out of their spooky darkness and exposing them to the light of the gospel is the genius of the celebration of Halloween. Monsters, after all, are an inheritance from our, from our imagination. The more we can drag them out of the dark and into the light and laugh at them for what they are, the better off we are, for a lot of reasons. And the first biggest reason is that bringing the monstrous and the cringeful out of denial helps us to understand it and to deal with it. The best example I can give comes from a noted psychologist who talks about the fear that kids have when they're growing up. When a youngster tells his parents that he's afraid of the dark, 
the adults go into the kid's bedroom to comfort them, and the caring parents will try to show their child that those fears are groundless. They'll try to rationalize their fears and make sense of their uncertainties by being logical and clear. Sometimes the parents will even try to reason with their kids and show them that there's really nothing under the bed and no reason to be afraid of what's in the closet. Get up and look, they'll say, and see that you got nothing to be afraid of. There are no monsters there, they say. But this psychologist said, that's foolish because the kids know the world is full of monsters and they're right. They might not be under the bed and they won't necessarily hide in the closet, but there are monsters aplenty scattered throughout the world. If the parents don't know that, they're not paying attention, but the kids do. Young people, especially very young kids, have every right to be afraid. It's the only reasonable response to a world of cruelty and maliciousness, he says. What we have to do is to teach kids how to handle their fears and to explore the boundaries of their safety. If we tell them there's nothing to be afraid of, we're lying to them. There's plenty to be afraid of. The parents know it, and certainly the kids know it. That's certainly the truth when it comes to the existence of evil in the world. There's no denying the power of evil to disrupt and destroy. In fact, this is a truth that hardly needs any justification to prove because its proof is everywhere. If we deny it, we're the foolish ones. But the hovering threats lying in darkness have been overcome by the promises of grace. The world is cruel beyond all imagining. Whatever awfulness you can think of, whether it's disease or slavery or execution, the world is in fact more awful. Whatever character you can imagine who can bring evil into our lives, whether it's Dracula or Lestat, there's something from history, someone from history, even more evil. And whatever threat you can come up with, war or famine or plague, humanity has been even worse. But in all of this, we have been redeemed in the blood of Christ. We can trust the power of God at work in God's will to bring us to grace and to glory. That's what every saint and each martyr does by her example. So Halloween should be dragging the darkness of the world into the light. Even the power of evil, as awful as it is, can be something we laugh at. We shouldn't imagine we should play with it, but we can trust in the power of God to overcome it. Think of Halloween as something like the vaccination against polio. This germ, polio, is about as awful as any kind of disease could be. It renders its victims paralyzed and helpless when it doesn't kill them outright. Added to its horribleness, it is madly infectious and ravages the one who is unprotected. For centuries, people were exposed to mild versions of the germ and most often developed immunity to it. But in the mid-20th century, with cleaner homes and less previous contact with its weaker forms, polio became epidemic. Suddenly, it was everywhere crippling everyone it touched. By isolating the cause and vaccinating people against it, by exposing them to it, uh, the, 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 the people were able to summon the body's own defenses. And so polio became no longer the threat it once was. It's still there. It's still a threat. Polio will still cripple and kill, but exposure has lessened its power. Halloween has the potential to vaccinate us against the evils of the world. Pretending evil is everywhere and threatens everything, and so no one must know of it or hear of its power, is to keep anyone from resisting it. Sweeping away any mention of it by sweeping its symbols or characters under the carpet is to weaken everything. 
and to put away the memory of those saints who have triumphed over evil's powers by the grace of God in their lives, by not focusing on the eve of all saints, is to weaken all of us. After a while, when we have expelled laughter and triumph, we're vulnerable to evil's power. The antidote is exposure and defense to achieve real resistance. We're celebrating the eve of all hollows, all saints. God has overcome evil in the lives of his saints. We are offered the same promise in the same context. God can make our lives the, our lives the gift of his graces. So we too will become the triumph of goodness over evil and light over darkness. These promises are for us. Besides, if we were to truly be serious about guarding against the evils that might overcome us, we wouldn't be worried about the silly hanging cutouts of witches on brooms or carving jack-o'-lanterns with evil faces. We'd be worried about the real evils crouching to haul us away. Think about it. Instead of being afraid that our kids will become fascinated with evil by dressing up in a black cape and smearing red dye on their mouths, we would guard against the evil by making sure our kids don't wear the coveralls of the engineers of the companies that build landmines that explode with plastic shrapnel so as to maim and injure its victims and yet remain invisible to x-rays. That's real evil. Horrible to imagine, but as actual as the stock exchange. Or instead of being anxious, some child might become interested in the lure of the dark side of life, so we forbid the mention of black magic. We would make sure that no one dressed in the ivory blouse and dark skirt of the CEO of the largest abortion provider in the country who advocates for the destruction of life in the womb up to the moment of birth. That's true evil, instantiated by someone who looks and sounds and seems like any other capable, educated, and enabled person, but who has already enacted this horror more than 60 million times in our country and has been provided with a quarter of a billion dollars of our taxes to work those policies among us today. Or instead of being nervous, a young person might think the devil has the ultimate say over the future of history, and so we forbid the mention of the devil at all. We would make sure we would never silence the mentions of the horrors of the 20th century, whose politics murdered more than a 100 million innocents in cold blood and another 100 million in war and conquest. And all these, done by men and women, carrying the most damaging instrument of slaughter and destruction the world has ever seen, a fountain pen used to sign the death warrants and decrees and deals that erased the lives of millions upon millions and beggared the wealth of continents. That's what crouching evil, ready to kill, ready to spring, and certain to kill us, that's what that looks like. As we celebrate Halloween, we have to be ready to proclaim the victory of Christ everywhere, especially here. That's what we do on the eve of all saints. Back in just a moment. Welcome to our final segment, Faith in Verse. We have a poem today called October Now. The darkness lingers as October now progresses. Dawn comes later while evening hastens its processes. And no matter how attuned we have become lately to the season's pathway through the heaven to the heaven ultimately, darkened evenings and late mornings are as losses to us, lessening of all that sustains our vital resources. The cycles of the seasons as the circle of life is lost, all splattered with the acid of time, sloshed and tossed. 
till we finally let go of the pristine picture we guard, that all breath and spirit might congeal to become solid and hard, so that we could grasp and hold never to slip or lose, as the passing seasons remind us we may never do. But so life is for all of us who see the darkness mount. Life ebbs in its seasons, even as we watch and count. That's October now. presence of the Lord is with us always. It is the source of our hope and the origin of our comfort. We know that by the power of baptism, as we have died with Christ and risen with him, we are victors. And so in this time, it is what we celebrate. I hope you can join us in the weeks to come. Living Catholic is a production of Oklahoma Catholic Radio. To learn more, visit okcr.org.